0: Welcome to Foul Puck Colon, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. (laughs) Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that all of our fabulous listeners know everything there is to know about the difference between a boycott and a wildcat strike, which is now a sports thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rachel, your baseball guru, and I am joined by... Uh, I'm Nancy. I am your
1: basketball enthusiast. Yeah, I'm Rebecca. I am a fan of the Western Conference of the NHL only.
0: <laughs> Very specific. Yes. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Shall I ask you more about that now or later?
1: I mean, do you want to segue right into it or?
0: Oh, let's do, do it. it. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> you open yourself up there,
2: Rebecca. I let's know, go for I sure it. Did.
1: So I'll go with the, the background first, um, in case any of our listeners aren't aware. Um, last week, um, Jacob Blake um, it was a well, he is a black man who lives in Minnesota. He was um, helping to de-escalate a domestic dispute, and when the police showed up, and also got involved in "quote unquote" de-escalating the domestic dispute. Um, As Blake was leaving to walk to his car, the police shot him in the back seven times in front of his three children. Um, He is still in the hospital. He's, from what I understand, paralyzed. Um, I don't know more about him than that. But frankly, I'm not sure any of that is relevant, um, given what happened to him.
2: Right. I mean, that's the key piece, isn't it? Like that's people keep I keep seeing people and keep hearing people wanting to defend the reasons that this happened. But I think I can speak for all of us when I say there is absolutely no reason that somebody walking to their car should have been shot seven times in the back. Like, I don't care what they did. That's Correct. Yeah. That's all right.
0: all. yeah. So, so, and uh, this and, was in um, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Did yes, you say that? Wisconsin. Okay.
1: No, I said a different state. Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, I'm Looking at a, an article that says Kenosha, Wisconsin, but I think I said Minnesota. Um, yeah, So so that happened. And then, understandably... Um, Black people everywhere were very upset, Um, and that came out in sports via uh, a boycott slash Wildcat strike, which I'm going to let Rachel explain since she includes that in her preamble. Um, But the, the very basic piece of my comment about being a fan of the western conference only is that the the nhl responded as they do always a day late and a dollar short Uh, (laughs) but if you looked the if you looked at the responses of the two conferences the east had four guys sitting in a panel talking and the west every single member of the western conference every single player in the western conference Showed up at the press conference, standing behind their three players of color um, and two um, two other a captain and a um, NHLPA representative. So the the comparison between the response between the East and the West could not have been more different and more obvious. Um, and so. I'm, I'm disappointed. Well, I'm, I'm almost always disappointed in hockey in general, when it comes to social <laughs> issues. Um, I'm, but I'm especially disappointed in the, in the East because they did the bare minimum, right? They showed up with their four people and they had their conference and they said, there are things more important than this. And honestly, for hockey, that would have been great and acceptable. And then a couple hours later, the West came out with every single member of the team And I mean, it's like, it's an empty room versus the fullest space I've seen in the last six months because of coronavirus, right?
0: Do you think that the publicists in the East were just smacking themselves in the head after that? Or do you think that was even, yeah?
1: (laughs) No, there has to be. Um, But I'll tell you, I think a big part of the reason is that there are um, three at least three players of color in the West who are in the playoffs right now. Mm -hmm. I am not sure that there are any in the East. And if there are, they are like minor fourth liners or or backup guys. Whereas three of the guys in the West are like, are well-known, very good players. Um, So I I think that was a big part of the difference, though it shouldn't have been.
2: Yeah, so that yeah. was I was gonna ask you what you think would contribute to the difference, because it's not like you can say, you know, well, the Western hockey teams are all liberal because they're on the West Coast, because the players are from all over. There shouldn't be any measurable difference between the regions of the hockey teams in terms of mm-hmm. the players backgrounds, because they're all just a mix, right? So what what do you think you think it's primarily just
1: So I think which it's which players? It's- are- I think it's the presence of players of color. Okay. Um, I think the East thought, well, this is what we do in hockey, so we're just going to do the thing that we do, and we're going to send out the um, people who started the conversation and the captains, and that's, that's all we're going to do. Because truly, that is hockey's standard. <laughs> um, in the West, we had um, Ryan Reeves, Robin Leonard, Jason Dickinson, and Tyler Sagan, who were the four players, Ryan Reese is is a black player and the three others are white, they all knelt for the anthem after Matt Dumba's speech, right? Mm -hmm. So clearly there's something going on in the teams in the West that, I don't know, speaks of a little bit more solidarity, even though those are only four players and they're from two teams. Um, But I think probably that's also part of it. So um, Tyler Sagan very much has a brand. He's one of the few hockey players who has a brand. Um, and I think he's using that for good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think the fact that they have to look these players of color in the eye and be like, oh, I see you. Mm-hmm. I get, like, I can physically see how this is important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have said that I want to be supportive, and this is a way of doing it. Like, so you know, that, the easiest way of doing it. Right. No, I think that's an
2: interesting point, because this is this is jumping ahead a little bit. So, sorry, Rachel, I, I'm stomping <laughs> all over your plan for this episode. But, but when we come to talk further about the strike, um, Major League Baseball, not everybody immediately struck, and I'm not even sure if all the teams...
0: Did, no, or if it they was, didn't.
2: Yeah, but the first one of the first teams to do it was the Seattle Mariners, who mm-hmm. have the largest number of black players on the team out yes. of the league. So I think, and I'm certainly not the only one who thinks that. I mean, lots of people were saying this that 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 no doubt played a part. That these guys have to look at their team members and go, "Oh shit, I see what you're dealing with here," and I can personally imagine, I can personally conceive of, you know, what this would be like for you or what this would be like if this had been you or been a family member, of you know. And so the fact that that the team in Major League Baseball with the most black players was one of the first to go on strike, I thought was really telling um, and makes sense that that would be the case in hockey
1: too. Yeah. Well, I do think there's also, or or there's at least speculation that some of it is due to another piece of hockey culture, which is that they all take pregame naps, so literally, wait, what? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yes, this is a the thing. They have
0: nap time. They have nap time. Do they, Do have they get a mats? Ch- box after it in their cubbies? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they go back to their hotels or their homes, and they take their pregame nap. It's anywhere from like forty-five minutes to three hours, depending on how old you are. Valid. Uh, <laughs> and then, and
0: wait, then, so they go. They go to the. Uh, Hold on, sorry, I'm bringing this to a no, screeching no, no, no. halt here. Um, they're at the <laughs> venue doing warm ups or whatever. Well, then they, they go they, home or to their hotel and they nap and they come back?
1: Well, um, I mean, in, on a normal day, they're not practicing, they're not necessarily practicing at the venue, although away teams would be practicing at the venue as opposed to like a practice uh, rink. But yeah, they, they have morning skate or they have a light practice in the morning. They go grab lunch. They go grab a nap. And then they're very regimented with their timing, their arrival to the arena, their pregame ritual, all of this kind of stuff. Um, so there's, there's legitimate speculation that a lot of this, a lot of the, um, a lot of the news happened while they were napping. That's hilarious. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is just so funny.
2: <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: Also, woe to the NHLer with insomnia problems. Like,
0: yeah, seriously.
2: <laughs> if I that. do
0: that, I can't sleep at night.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, I think you know, if a normal game is from seven to ten, it's not like they go home and are trying to be asleep by eleven, right? right. They play a game from seven to ten. They don't leave the arena until 10.45 or 11. And many of them will go out to dinner at that point. And so bedtime is like 2 a.m.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you get up and go to morning skate. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, it so It's like a siesta kind of a thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny.
1: I didn't realize we had to talk about that. <laughs> nope. Um,
0: uh, that I mean, is the so- first
1: I'm hearing of it. <laughs> so there's some speculation that a little bit like, Again, the, the NHL was a day late, right? They played all their games on Wednesday, I honestly, Wednesday mm-hmm. um, when most other teams were striking. Mm-hmm. Hockey was always going to be behind. Right. <laughs> Some of it is speculation that they legitimately did not know what was going on because it was nap time and game time. Um, but then at the same time, that also just really highlights the privilege of right. like NHL players.
0: Yeah.
1: right
2: um well and staff because i can't remember who it was now but there was some i don't know if he was, was a, a coach or like a manager coach of the philadelphia flyers possibly who was like well all i do is i review tape oh yep. okay was that him yeah all right all i do <laughs> is review tape i haven't looked at the internet i haven't looked at my phone i don't and it was like okay on the one hand i, I could actually believe that like literally all you have done is review tape of these yeah, things absolutely but, like, no i
1: believe he was truthful
2: but as you say, like the level of privilege in being that disconnected from reality, yeah, is a lot. It's yes. a lot. It's a high level. Yes. So yeah, definitely. and the
1: fact that it was the Flyers coach who said that really like hurt me personally. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm sorry. No. Oh. This is why we're fans of the Western Conference now.
0: Okay. But
1: let's so- talk about better. Better people in other
0: sports. So speaking of, Nancy, uh, Mm -hmm. do you want to kind of take us back to, I want to say how this all began, because this was less (laughs) than a week ago, even though it feels like months at this point. Yeah, it's Monday. Um, This was last week. On how Uh this, uh, you know, news item transitioned into the world of sports to begin with. Sure. Um, So
2: we're recording this on Monday, August 31st. I feel like it's good to throw a timestamp in. <laughs> Here, yes, this time point, is yes. both time is both <laughs> sped up and meaningless uh, in twenty twenty. So so it's it, anyway. It's Monday the thirty first. We're recording this. Uh, Jacob Blake, I believe, was shot on the night of Sunday the twenty third, twenty second, twenty third. Sunday the 23rd. Rebecca's on Google. I can see. She'll her find Googling. it for us. I know. I think I'm right though. I think it's Sunday night the twenty third, and then. I don't know the thing that I couldn't find. And Rebecca, if you Google this and and do find it, we're getting the I, thumbs up. Yep, yep, she has confirmed Sunday night the twenty third. Um, you know, and it, and it started to be talked about, I believe, on Monday. And so the thing that I couldn't ever quite pin down when I was looking for things preparing for this episode is why there was a little bit of a delay because there was a little bit of a delay even for the NBA. Um, so there was. Yes, Rebecca's holding up a finger for me. Um,
1: so I think a big part of the delay was um, that it wasn't just a response to the shooting of Jacob Blake, though that was, mm-hmm. of course, the catalyzing incident. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the fucking white child who took right. a gun across state her, lines, right?
2: Oh to yeah,
1: to a Black Lives Matter,
2: right? Rather- and that was Tuesday.
1: I believe so. Yeah. 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 So that makes you know, sense. That that kid got to walk away with a threat on the back by the police. And they gave, they him gave him a water. water.
2: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. Meanwhile, yeah. Jacob Blake, who was trying to stop a domestic dispute, gets mm-hmm. shot seven times. So right. I think it was it was the two things put together. That
2: makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I hadn't seen that spelled out anywhere, and so I wasn't sure if that was quite what it was. But okay, so so Sunday night. We have the Jacob Blake shooting. M- you know, Monday things. You know, people are protesting. I don't want to say things go on as per normal because they don't. But games were happening. Um, same Tuesday, then Tuesday evening at a Black Lives Matter protest and a protest about the Jacob Blake shooting. This child, unfortunately, from my home state of Illinois, there are reasons I live in California now. Uh goes and shoots unarmed civilians because he likes to pretend that guns are toys and he's going to be a big boy when he grows up and murder people because that's what white boys with guns do.
1: And so let's, so let's just pause here real quick and say that he's not a boy. because Isn't he 17? Yeah, yeah. But if, if we were talking about a black person who had done the same thing, they would be calling him a man. Fair,
2: entirely fair. I was thinking only of the legal age definition, but you are entirely correct. Um, So that happens. Uh, And then on Wednesday, um, there are a bunch of games that were going to be played, um, but the Milwaukee Bucks, who were supposed to play the first game of the evening, uh, go into their locker room and decide not to come out and decide not to play. And I have seen some confusion online uh, as to why, uh, the Bucks and the Brewers and then also the, the Minnesota Wild were, were getting a little involved in this. And it's because it's the closest to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, these, these okay. teams, Kenosha obviously does not have their own teams, but, but Milwaukee, um, does. And so that's, that's the involvement. Um, so the Bucks decide not to play. Um, and then the other teams very quickly follow suit. Um, uh, interestingly, it seems like there was a little, um not controversy, that's too strong a word, but there were a few feelings in the NBA because the, the Bucks decided this on their own and did not talk to the other teams about it. They just mm-hmm. came out and announced, we are not playing tonight. We are not able to do this. The other teams immediately backed them up on this. There was no sort of, you know, no, no public response from the other teams of what is this group doing? You know, we disagree. None of that. None of that. Um,
0: Yeah. I will brag on the magic a little bit for, uh, do it immediately and like refusing to uh, accept the forfeit and just right. being like, no, we're just not right. going to play this game. Exactly. That's the right thing to do.
2: Yes, because the Bucks were playing the Magic, um, or were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And so there was the, was a, are the Bucks just forfeiting? And Rachel's entirely correct. The Magic refused to accept that and, and they called it just a game not played. And then the, the subsequent teams that were supposed to play that night did the same thing. Um, so there was, then that night uh, player meetings uh in which it became the question of whether the season should go on at all uh, came up a lot because one of the main objections to starting this whole NBA bubble season was player concerns that it would detract from um from social justice social justice momentum which many of the players have been strongly involved in. And they didn't want to uh, go back to both to walking away from their communities where they had been involved in these protests and these actions to go play basketball. And also they didn't want to provide the distraction of professional sports to a populace who had been so focused on the social justice movements. So there were there were talks uh, from what I've read, what I've heard, Uh, The Lakers and Clippers in particular wanted to just call off the season. Um, And several big names, including LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, uh, were very firmly on the side of, we just need to stick a fork in this. It's done. We could be doing better things elsewhere. This is not sustainable. This is not right. Um, It seems like those two teams... Were the main two teams in favor of that? Everybody else still wanted to play. Um, and so there was an agreement reached to carry on with the season. Games were not played on Wednesday. Games were also not played on Thursday. Um, and there were a lot of statements made by the teams, by individual players. There was a lot of pointed statements pointed at ownership um, and in terms of, of ownership groups and team owners sort of putting their money where their mouth is, in terms of saying they support the players, um, and, and investing in social justice actions. Um, so I think that there are more things that are probably going to come out there. One of the things that I saw that was really interesting um, – was that so so Michael Jordan, who we all know who Michael Jordan is. I don't care if you've been living under a rock for the past <laughs> thirty years, you know who Michael Jordan is. You've at least seen Space Jam. I actually never fair. have but I still know who Michael Jordan <gasps> is. Oh, but I'm saying there's there's the two the two, <laughs> yeah, between people. The two. Yeah. That's fair. Either know okay. Michael Jordan people have...
1: or he's seen Space Jam. It,
2: okay, yes. Yeah, that checks out. So Michael Jordan is a majority <laughs> owner of the uh n- uh the North Carolina Hornets. Um And he is the only majority ownership, uh, the only black majority ownership person in the NBA. And so apparently he did a lot of go between, between the ownership groups and the players talking to them about what would be meaningful to them about what they want to see from the ownership groups. Um, you know, what basically like, how can we come to an agreement that will help you guys to feel good about going ahead and playing, um, so I, you know, I don't know the details of that. I'm not sure anybody knows the details of that yet. Um, but games are back on, teams are playing.
0: Um, but you know, the, and somebody, what, some of the, I was going to say some of the agreements that they, that they, um, they came to in terms of playing the rest of the season. There's things like using the um, the venues as uh, yes. voting locations. Yes, that's right. And all of the donating NBA certain venues. amounts of money. Yeah, exactly.
2: All of the NBA venues will be used as polling places come come election season. Because polling they're places. Very, that's what
0: I was going at. Yes, they're
2: very big, and so you can safely socially distance a lot of voters in them. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah. So there there are significant and substantial actions, uh, that have been agreed to. Um, and I imagine we will see continuing things like that. Um, one of the things I thought was, was interesting, of course, is you immediately get all of this outcry, Particularly once the games were back on from people saying, well, what was the point of this? It didn't accomplish yeah. anything. And one of the immediate things that it did accomplish was that the Milwaukee Bucks had a conference call with uh, the Wisconsin Lieutenant Governor, I believe, uh, and the state legislature members, and to talk about, you know, policing <laughs> and <laughs> issues of, you know, uh, police violence and you know that sort of thing so like that's a direct result that's a direct result yep. <laughs> like, yeah. you know
1: um well and, so and you know what i i'm just going to interrupt real quick here yeah do i'll tell you that again in hockey the direct result of this two-day strike was that there are white hockey fans talking about yep. jacob yep. blake and Black yep. Lives Matter.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Similar and for the that's MLB. The other thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is at the most basic level, the thing that came out of this, right? Is mm-hmm. a further conversation, attention raised, further conversation generated. So, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. But there were significant other things as well, I think, that, that are more important than we may realize right now, um, but may become more important on. So that was, so that was the, the NBA. And I want to say, <clears throat> if you're an athletic subscriber, there is a brief uh, podcast. It's about a half hour uh, with Sam Amick and David Aldridge talking about this. And it was recorded Wednesday night. Um, and I believe Sam Amick is in the NBA bubble. Um, and David Aldridge is uh, another another reporter who, I mean, I haven't seen a picture of him, but based on the podcast, I'm going to hazard a guess that he's black. Um, and it's a really emotional and enlightening conversation that they have. Um,
0: What's I mean, the name not, of the podcast? Is it just the athletic
2: podcast? Uh, it's the athletic NBA podcast. I think they're doing a okay. whole like smush together thing of different podcasts about the NBA right now. Uh, but it was a really, I mean, it's it's a tough listen because it's very raw, but it was also a really worthwhile listen i think so i would definitely encourage folks if you have the athletic subscription to go listen to it if you don't have the athletic subscription they're doing super cheap subscriptions and they have really high quality reporting so i highly recommend it sam amick and david aldridge um amick amick a-m-i-c-k we'll we'll post a link to that yeah
0: along with some other stuff we're gonna talk about yeah
2: that was all the NBA, the WNBA. Um, it went down a little differently uh, with them. So I want to I talk about that. Um, yes, please do. And the only reason to clarify that I am talking about the NBA before I'm talking about the WNBA, because the WNBA uh, is usually, <laughs> in fact, almost <laughs> always the leader on social justice stuff. Um, but the NBA did start the strike in terms of timing, the Milwaukee game canceled was the first one, uh, is my understanding. If, if Rebecca, if you want to disprove me on that, feel free. But that's my understanding is that Milwaukee yeah. canceled first.
1: I, that's my understanding as well.
2: <clears throat> so then the WNBA, um, the Mystics, the Washington Mystics, and the Atlanta Dream were scheduled to play. Um, and the Mystics got all ready to come out, and there were lots and lots of discussions about – what to do. Um, there are some incredible uh, video footage on Instagram of them coming out. They all had made t-shirts. Each one of them had a letter of Jacob Blake's name on the front of their shirt. And on the back, they had drawn seven red, quote unquote, gunshot wounds. Um, it's it's disturbing, um, mm-hmm. which is exactly the point of it. Um, and another thing that I found very moving uh, is that one of them, I don't remember whose son whose son it is, but of course, many of them have their children there, and one of them has a, a son who's probably three or four who has been attending all the games and watching from the sidelines, and he's freaking adorable. and <laughs> you know they they talk about him frequently as like, this is a black male child, and he is going to grow up and be in danger. Yeah. <laughs> like this you know, this is the child of one of our players. How can we not? feel this viscerally um so they come out they're prepared to play my understanding from from reading all of this as it went down though i could not pin this down but this is what i recall is that the mystics were prepared to play they were going to uh pause every seven minutes uh and put the ball down and have you know a moment of silence to recognize the seven like they were they were wanting to use the time of playing as a demonstration basically wow. right the atlanta dream decided that they could not play and so then came out and talked to the mystics and the mystics said okay it's all off we're, we're not doing it we're not doing it at all and as soon as the as soon as that game was canceled then the other teams also said we're not playing tonight either and it was immediately unified there was never any as far as i can tell there was never any sort of um, controversy about it at all. They were immediately united in this is what we're doing. But I did think it was interesting that, you know, the Mystics were ready to do it and they had this plan for for how it was going to be used. Um, and and then it ended up not going off. And I mean, obviously, like there's no right or wrong decision there. Like the, the correct yeah. decision was to support their teammates who did not feel they could play. And that's what they did. Um, <clears throat> Ariel Atkins uh, gave a really... <clears throat> Excuse me, gave a really um, important and emotional address uh, on behalf of the the teams and the WNBA um, about you know what what their thoughts and feelings about this are. They also cancelled games on Wednesday and Thursday um, and and then their games are back on again as well. Uh, so it's very similar to what happened with the NBA but but with more um, more v- more visible, not even action but like more visible dynamics i guess um the milwaukee bucks you know sat sat in their locker room and, and made these decisions and communicated them which is you know obviously totally fine the fact that they did it was amazing um but then then having them if you watch the videos of the mystics players coming out in their shirts it's it's something yeah 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 and and all of them standing together and addressing the cameras with you know the kid and all of them together there. It's also, again, really powerful. So that's my story. That's the, the NBA and the WNBA, which, you know, that was all Wednesday night. Um, Yeah. And then, and then games were, were canceled slash postponed on Thursday as well. uh, Before, before
1: resuming on
0: Friday. Yeah,
1: Hockey showed up on Thursday and canceled Thursday and Friday. Mm
0: hmm. And as for baseball, I remember, you know, Wednesday hearing about the, the Bucks getting, probably getting an alert on my phone. And, you know, obviously I was very shocked and impressed and, you know, reading about it. And I was like, well, <laughs> baseball's not going to bother with this. <laughs> and I have to say my jaw hit the floor when uh, it was the Brewers who went first. Mm-hmm. They were the first to cancel their game, I think against the Reds. Um, yes. And then also the Dodgers-Giants game was not played. And the as you said, Nancy, the Mariners and whoever the Mariners were playing. Was it the Padres? Might have been. Might have been.
2: That seems right for Um, some reason.
0: And then on Thursday, uh, a lot more teams joined in. Um, Mm -hmm. The A's did. They were playing the Rangers. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember. I should have made a list of all the teams, but I didn't, it was not league wide. Um, it was up to the the players of the individual teams, but just the fact that anyone did at all was mm-hmm. beyond shocking to me that this had, had spread to baseball. Um, because there are so many fewer black players in the MLB, mm-hmm. not as few as the NHL. Uh, but, uh, but I significantly think, fewer than yes, the NBA yes. or Yes, MLB is, in this circumstance, much more comparable to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just couldn't believe that, like, I guess a lot of what had made its way to the MLB before in terms of Black Lives Matter and um, responding to social justice issues had been... Largely performative um, We mm-hmm. talked probably about that Black rope thing that they did oh, gosh, At the yes. beginning of the season Which was Ugh, super weird So bad um, Like how can we do something without actually Doing anything like kneeling that might offend People, <laughs> our white viewers um, I know Tug of war <laughs> Yeah So um, Yeah, just it, Hard to even wrap my mind around um, Going from that to this you know, to actually having games canceled, um, and I just, you know, I of course I wish the A's had been in on that first night, and that had been their first response was to to back yeah, up me too um, the other teams. But you know, the next night they did the right thing, and since they were playing um, the Rangers, and I believe the, was it the Friday game canceled as well yeah, uh, against Thursday, the Astros. Friday. So yeah, yeah. they cancel their games against two Texas teams, you know? Um,
2: yeah.
0: So hopefully that was a large audience of Texans that were forced to think about something that maybe made them a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean,
1: anyone who was a um, Star fan also got it. So there yeah. were wow. no sports in Texas for a couple days.
0: Hot diggity damn. Yeah. That's, uh, that's
2: something, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, and there was, Rachel, I don't, I think it was the Marlins, but I don't remember who they were playing I I just remember the visuals because I'm I'm so visually oriented, but I remember seeing them posting uh, a picture of it. And then I went and looked up the video and whoever the Marlins were playing, they all took the field. And then when the batter came out, it was a a black player and he brought out a black lives matter t-shirt, covered home plate with it. And then they all left. And then, the photo, the image was a photo. I'm like 95% sure it was from the Marlins Twitter account that was like the beautiful sunset and then the Black Lives Matter t-shirt on, you know, covering home plate on the yeah. empty field. And like, I was like, whoever did the PR for that, that was a good move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to do it too because I don't know if before they did that they had announced that the game was canceled or not. Or if I, I don't think they had to an ex- expecting, yeah. So so I think that's really cool. Then to have yeah. your viewership already, you know, for for the first pitch and then not do it. I
0: thought yeah. that was
2: had some of people that network
0: shitting their pants, but <laughs>
2: yeah, well, <laughs> yeah,
0: um, yeah, that was was really impressive, and it happened to overlap with this weekend. It was uh, Jackie Robinson Day right. was on Saturday. Um, which is when they, everybody gets the number 42, which has officially Mm -hmm. been retired across all teams. Um, And, you know, they pick that day to talk about Jackie Robinson, um, which we can, you know, come back to the appropriateness of, you know, celebrating his accomplishments with everybody just wearing the same number. Um, But... You know,
2: we should, the, we should mention that Jackie Robinson is is the first black player in the modern baseball era. Correct. And he broke the color barrier. Yes. Um, and it was a big fucking deal. Yes. And he and that's why it's you know like there were the Negro Leagues and there were previously black players in baseball, but but he mm-hmm. was the first one. It was nineteen forty five, nineteen forty six, something forty seven. Like I think forty seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So.
0: And I should also go ahead and note here, because I think we should acknowledge it that um, unfortunately I haven't seen the movie yet. But um, oh yes, Chadwick Boseman, the actor who played uh, Jackie Robinson in the recent um, biopic about him, uh, and was obviously Black Panther in the Marvel movies, he um, mm-hmm. passed away a few days ago of colon cancer, which I don't think even his his colleagues knew that he was suffering no. from. No. Um, and uh, so we, you, you know, we just lost another good guy this week, yeah. and that sucks. Yes. Sucks, and, yes. and was
1: heartbreaking. It was, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I was, I was. I mean, obviously shocked when I heard it because even if his close friends and colleagues knew, we certainly didn't, right? Yeah. And I was reading my timeline and looking at the impact that he had from the movies that he was in the speeches mm-hmm. that he gave, like mm-hmm. he was a graduate of Howard university and he mm-hmm. spoke there at graduation a couple of times. And I just had myself a real good sob for about 15 minutes. Yeah, And he yeah. impacted my life so much less than he impacted others. I cannot even imagine Yeah, uh, or I can only imagine the collective grief yeah. about his death. It's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And to have that, so we had, you know, the The shutdown of sports on Wednesday slash Thursday slash Friday, I believe Chadwick Boseman died on Friday, the yeah. 28th. And then Jackie Robinson yeah. Day. Is it the 28th or the 29th?
0: Uh, it was Saturday, whatever Saturday
2: was. The 29th. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, yeah. And, and like you said, Chadwick Boseman played Jackie Robinson in a really yeah. recent biopic, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, just a few years ago. Um yeah. I can't speak for the quality of the movie itself. It looked a little white savory from the the mm, previews. Mm-hmm. I still do want to see it. Um he was just amazing. I don't know if anybody saw the the James Brown movie Get on Up. Um No,
2: I wanted the movie to, itself
0: was was so-so, but he and, and Viola Davis were just unbelievable yeah, in that imagine. movie. So yeah. Maybe we can watch that sometime and and talk about it. Is Forty Two a movie that we should do a a pod watch on? Oh,
2: that'd be a good idea. Yeah, we should do.
0: that.
1: put it on the schedule so we don't forget.
0: (laughs) Well, I didn't mean to bring everybody down in the dumps immediately, but it's inevitable. Yeah, I did want to acknowledge that um, since it was kind of inseparable from talking about Jackie Robinson this weekend. Um, But just the the timing of everything was, yeah uncanny week it yeah. yeah um so anyway well back and to, you know, back to, to baseball. baseball plus we
1: all we all yeah. know each other from fandom like right yeah. over my left shoulder that's yeah black <laughs> oh there he is. Oh, fan art that one of my friends drew yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah it's relevant to bring up
0: yeah <sighs> <sighs> okay um so I did want to acknowledge something with the A's because I um, ended up doing a, a deep dive. I know I've, I've mentioned before, um, and I, I posted it on my own personal Twitter about Bruce Maxwell, who was the only MLB player to have knelt. Um, mm-hmm. It was in mm-hmm. 2017, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, the season starting after um, Colin Kaepernick knelt um, that the the only player to take a knee was was Bruce Maxwell, who was with the A's at the time. Um and I I feel like maybe I, I gave the rest of the team a little bit too much credit because I there, I did a, I read a, a good long article by um, Howard Bryant on ESPN.com about Maxwell and his you know thinking going into the protest and then what happened afterward. And I knew he had been blackballed, but um mm. you know, what what really hurt reading because they they interviewed him again recently um, was that he did not feel supported by anyone in baseball at the time that he he made his protest? Like
1: I am he shocked felt, by that
0: news. <laughs> <laughs> he felt more supported. Like Steph Curry reached out to him, and some mm-hmm. other other athletes, mm-hmm. former baseball players, reached out to him. But I think there was one player on the Orioles that the only current baseball player who reached out to him. And he did not even feel the support of his other teammates. And, I mean, this was September 23rd, 2017. Um, so, <laughs> less than three years ago. And, um, you know, I started following the A's in the 2018 season. Um, so, mm-hmm. I, I, Maxwell wasn't on my radar. But a lot of the people who are on my radar now were on the team back then. Um, and, you know, it, it hurts to hear that, that he didn't feel supported by. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he got you know, directly confronted by any of them about, you know, directly in opposition to what he was doing. But um, I should read exactly what he said. But people started making jokes because then they had to go to to Texas, I think, next after the game. And, like, oh, you you know, people making jokes with them about, oh, you better watch out. We're going to Texas, you know, something. And then, um, you know, the message he got from – No, it's not. And the message he got from that was, we're not, we don't have your back. Right. Was, you know. Yeah, that's the um, only message you could get from that. Yeah. And I don't remember if it was Maxwell or a contemporary of his saying, you know, I think it was Maxwell himself saying, you've got a bunch of white guys watching a black man getting beaten up and nobody's saying anything. Mm -hmm. And Maxwell still has an enormous amount of, of hurt. Um he was actually called before the season started because they were looking for another catcher mm-hmm. um after the departure of of Fegley mm-hmm. and um Bob Melvin Bob Melvin um asked personally for Maxwell to come back from the Mexican leagues to catch during the the mm-hmm. um spring training. And this was before COVID before any right. of this. Sure. Um but he said no. He he was ha- he's happy where he is now and he doesn't want to revisit all of that. Wow. And I can't say that I blame him you know, yeah. having to come back to what is largely the same team, the same players yeah, who he didn't feel have his back. And, you know, he's just saying, what's different now? Why, why now? Yeah. Why are they all, you know, coming right. out now? And I, so I just really wanted to acknowledge that and say that, um, you know, the bravery that Maxwell showed is on a completely different level from the bravery that we're seeing now from even MLB mm-hmm. players, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I don't want to completely downplay that because it is shocking to me that the MLB players did um, anything, did anything. Yes. Yeah. At all. But, um, yeah, I just, I thought that was important to say. Um, and what was his name oh, there's one other thing from this article,
2: Maxwell, what was his? Name? Uh, Bruce Maxwell, Bruce Maxwell.
0: Yeah. And he even had like, at the time, the only black, uh, manager, General manager of a baseball team even came out against him and was saying, like, oh, he doesn't understand, you know, the flag. He doesn't understand the military and Maxwell's from a military family. So it was like Gross. doubly insulting. Gross. You
1: know, when somebody yeah. says that, I just want to, I want to do something. <laughs> uh, yeah. to tell them that they are misunderstanding the protests.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and the flag also, and the military yeah. also.
1: But yes. you know, it, yeah. we keep saying this, but I think we do need to we do need to have a conversation about the flag and the anthem yeah. at sporting events.
2: Yes,
0: we absolutely do. That's important. Yeah, because that's not even something that I had thought about critically. <laughs> you know, up t- until this year, like, yeah, of course you you sing the national anthem at a ball game. It's just what you do. You know, and and I think it's definitely worth re-examining um Mm -hmm. uh, and the one other thing i did want to um bring up in terms of mlb and this is um again kind of revealing my own ignorance to me um is that a great portion of um the players are from non-american countries mostly latin american but also some Mm -hmm. asian countries um Mm -hmm. and a a growing population of asian countries um and they and (laughs) Again, this is my bias, thinking that, oh, well, you know, now they're living in America, they're playing in America, some of them have families in America, you know, why aren't they kind of joining this mm-hmm. movement? And and a lot of them don't think of themselves as American, they think of this mm-hmm. as an entirely domestic issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, perceiving that it's not fair to ask them to put their jobs on the line and things mm-hmm. for, for something that isn't, that maybe they don't perceive as mm-hmm. something that's important to them. So that was just a a, you know something brought to my attention by this article it was kind of like oh yeah that's no that makes total sense
2: that's an interesting question i think because so i i also listened to puck soup which is a hockey podcast on the athletic um and and it's you know three white dudes one of whom is canadian they're a bit older than we are not too much like mm, five ten years older than we are i think um and uh, Mostly liberal. Mostly, I tend to agree with them. Um, And and they had a similar discussion about this because, you know, they were saying the NHL is always, you know, a day late, a dollar short on this stuff. Um, And and it was brought up, well, lots of, you know, the NHL players are not American or even Canadian. A lot of them are European, right? Um, So is it this sort of like well it's not not our issue not our problem not our not our responsibility even mm-hmm. sort of thing and and I was, it's one of the few times I've heard them disagree on something substantive um and I can't I <laughs> I'm real bad with names um and so I can't I I don't know who was saying what but one one guy was saying like you know that's you know some guy from the Czech Republic like what do you want him to do about like police violence <laughs> in the US right yeah and the other it, at least one of the other guys was like, no, that's bullshit. Like, you don't, you work here, you live here, like, you have to be at this point fucking blind to not mm-hmm. understand what's going on and to not understand how this affects, you know, your fans and the people you work with. And, and basically, there is no excuse. And, and, uh, and, you know, and, and similarly, what? Is there not racism in Europe? Like, that's not like this is a <laughs> new concept, you know? Yeah. But it makes me wonder, um, what the, the difference, if there's a difference and what that difference might be between, you know, Europe, which is predominantly white and does have a lot of, you know, built in white versus everyone else racism, um, versus something like Central America where, or, you know, the Caribbean or, you know, where it's different kinds of racism, different questions yeah. of racism, you know, and, and so, I'm curious how those two dynamics would differ from each other, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I, I certainly have no
0: answer for that. Um, Yeah. I'm definitely not well-read enough to speak to that. Um, I I think it's definitely worth looking into, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and of course there's also the difference that a lot of European players are probably not going to be confused on site with, an African-American person, no. you know, whereas, or, you Why know, a, a, I would say, and probably my own, you know, when I, I, was shocked to realize how few MLB players were African-American, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, there are plenty of, of dark skinned Latino men who, right. You know, may, you know, be of a completely different culture and, and nationality mm-hmm. and everything, mm-hmm. but on site might be confused. Right. And treated as a yeah. black American. Yeah. 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 hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely yeah, there are differences very, there. There
1: are very few hockey players who are going to <laughs> that experience. Right. Yeah. Right. But now no, I, I want to listen to that podcast, Rachel. I mean, I've listened, or Nancy, I've listened to Puck before, but now I want to know which one was taking which stance. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: it was here. I'll get you the the title of the episode because I don't. I their voices are all very similar. One oh, of them yeah. has a Canadian accent. That's John <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds right. I'm just, I'm real bad like, with fine. like tagging names to people anyway. Um, yeah. so <laughs> I can't tell you who. Uh, it, the title of the episode is The All Lives Matter League. Uh, so. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good episode. It's a, yeah, it's a good <laughs> episode. Um, I, I enjoy listening to them. They get, they get way into the weeds on some stuff sometimes that loses oh, yeah. because I don't know nearly enough about hockey, <laughs> but, but overall, I enjoy their takes um, for the most part, and 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 they have a good sense of humor, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, I, like but the, speaking... I like the old episodes of Puck Soup with uh, Greg Wachinski and Dave Lozo. I don't
2: think I've heard any of those. I'll have to check them
1: out. No, Dave Lozo left probably about a year ago now.
2: Oh, okay, all right. So, speaking of uh, personal failings of people on teams we support,
0: oh boy. <laughs> Rebecca, <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> tell us, oh, this, this isn't even on my outline, us. but I think we need to dip into it. Yeah, yeah. no, we got to go
2: there. Because because you were good. talking to, Yeah, because you were talking, Rachel, about the A's and, and how, you know, you and I both love to love the A's. And they've had this nice, good core of guys we really support for the past couple of years. And then it turns yep. out, mm, mm, right, maybe some uh, regrettable. Actions and decisions and lack of support in their past, but then the yeah. Sharks also had their own little, uh, dust up this week, uh, with you. a uh, p- player whom we have previously had good feelings about on this show. So I think I literally DM'd
1: Rebecca and was like, Rebecca, what? Yeah. <laughs> Explain,
0: exactly.
1: please. Yeah. yeah. So I, when you said, when you said we were disappointed in somebody, I assumed it was one of my people. I had, Listen, this, oh, happened, and this happened. This happened five <laughs> days ago, and I had already forgotten about it because time is meaningless right now. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still yeah. sad about it. I guess.
1: No, that's fair. <laughs> if it was one of my, if one, if it was one of my teams, I would be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So Logan Couture, who plays for the Sharks, is in tweeted, fact the
2: Sharks' captain.
1: He tweeted on Wednesday that. Um, He was sucker punched in Toronto on Tuesday because he talked about voting for the Republican Party and mentioned Donald Trump by name. Subsequent to that, um, he wrote what I will loosely label an apology. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's stretching the definition.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Wherein he said, I didn't do a good job of communicating my thoughts. Everyone is entitled to their own voice and opinions. Uh, Regardless of what anyone believes, and to be clear, I do not believe in supporting Donald Trump. Responding with violence isn't the answer and doesn't solve anything. I regret the decision to make this public. I'm sorry I hurt anyone. I'm sorry if my words didn't reflect my quote-unquote true feelings and beliefs.
0: All right, we got the I'm sorry if mm-hmm, yes. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's always a good one
2: yeah so, so also the uh i always like the well it was my mistake for bringing politics into my yeah. my role as an athlete yeah that was <laughs>
1: part of his so another tweet that he sent in um uh, in a response to his original tweet was that he would vote Republican if he could, and his father is a police officer. Of course, he, he is Canadian, so he is right. not eligible to vote in the U.S. election. Right.
0: Um,
1: yeah, and, and in his, in his quote-unquote apology, he said, I've learned my lesson um, not to talk politics in public. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's like the whiniest like, bitch-ass totally ass apology yeah, ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah,
0: incredibly incredibly
2: disappointing. Yeah, incredibly disappointing, particularly because he's on the same team. And in fact, the captain of Evander Kane, who has been spending the past couple months doing such public and important work on behalf of the NHL Diversity Alliance, talking about Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a black player in hockey and Mm -hmm. all the politics involved in that. And then Logan Couture you know, basically bears his ass to the entire world. And <laughs> I just, I'm so bummed. Like, yeah. well, and, you know, like, but I'll I had no particular reason to think he was a good guy, guy, but I was enjoying thinking he was a and good it's just, guy.
0: It's just a totally unforced error, too. Exactly. Like, yeah. exactly. Nobody <laughs> put him under no. the gun and he said something stupid. But he just, just, he just yeah. did. Yeah. Pulled down his pants yeah, and, and went for it. Yeah. yeah. Let that light, that light, light glare butt.
1: right off that white
0: little butt. Yep. What was he doing out and
1: about in Toronto on Tuesday night? We are still oh, in a pandemic. Knows. Good
2: friggin' question. I mean, at least he was in Toronto and not like San Jose. Like They're probably doing better than we are. But,
1: you <laughs> know, <laughs> still. Clearly close enough to be somebody to get punched by them. And I know hockey yeah. players are big, but I'm pretty sure their arms aren't six feet long.
2: <laughs> no, I think that's reserved for basketball.
1: Fair. <laughs>
0: yeah, so... Yeah, that's true. I bet KD could maintain social distancing guidelines I mean, and still just poke you about, in the nose. Yeah,
2: yeah I'm pretty <laughs> sure his wingspan is like nine feet plus, so he'd be close to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But
1: yeah. So that's a disappointing statement by uh, Logan... And a disappointing post statement statement. <laughs> Attempt at <of> an <laughs> apology. That some might label an apology.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a real bummer. And 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 honestly, like as a Bay Area person, I'm especially offended because like how the fuck do you live in San Jose for this long and not get a clue? Like, come on. What yeah. what have you been doing, buddy? Like, where are you? who do you think your fan base is? Like, come oh. on.
1: And you know, here's yeah, another piece. That, that I struggle with. I get that your, your parent is a cop, right? And even if you support police, presumably you mm-hmm. support specific officers who you know. Wouldn't right. you then want reform in the police department to then get rid of these supposed bad apples who are giving You'd your think. family, friends, whoever, a bad name? Like, you shouldn't have to, to vote Republican to support the police. Right. Yep. yep. Yep.
0: Well, it's, I mean, I won't get too much into police culture here, but there is very much a yes, support one, podcast. support all mentality um, that if he grew up in a household with a police officer, he would be, for lack of a better word, indoctrinated into. Um, no, maybe that's the right word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, oh man, if I were Canadian in Canada right now, I would be so smug and silent and just like eating my... Uh, Maple uh-huh. candy and riding my uh-huh. moose. and poutine. Yeah, and just well, and, not sticking my the, foot in it. The sharks aren't in the playoffs. Logan, don't say yeah. anything. Oh, no one yeah. will notice yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, so, so <laughs> Rebecca was saying earlier, and I'm forced to agree, that that he got really lucky with the timing of this giant internet pants dropping because <laughs> it was... What Tuesday? It was like it was very shortly before the strike.
1: Tuesday night yes. was the original tweet, and sometime right. later Tuesday night or Wednesday was the apology.
2: So the news cycle immediately eclipsed it. Yeah. But oh
0: man, he's he's the Astros of hockey. Yes,
2: exactly. It's, the Astros the got off astros the hook. Of yes. Hockey.
0: <laughs> Full moon keeps oh. on shining in Texas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, full moon over Texas. That uh-huh. I think that's a uh, uh-huh. Is that pretty good episode title. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have a lot of today. All right.
0: Today. <laughs> well, I was I was thinking about moving on from professional sports. Was there anything else we uh, wanted to add before we segue nah, a little bit? Okay. Um, we did not want to, even though none of us are primarily fans of collegiate sports, we did not want to leave them out of the conversation because they uh, are, and I would imagine, will continue to be a very large uh, part of this movement as we get into football season. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a statement that, that came up that I think, Rebecca, you'd read a little bit about. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the statement was, matter is the minimum
1: yeah, so I've i I'd heard this over the last couple of months. Um, and the point is, uh, many of us are saying Black Lives Matter. And the response is, matter is the minimum. Black lives are worthy. Black lives are beloved. Black lives are needed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I I actually I looked it up today and discovered that um, matter is the minimum is a slogan, for lack of a better word. I mean, it, it originated with a sign. Um, that was written by, developed by Jay um, Rich and some of his friends. Um, Jay is a quarterback for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, and then, so he, he held up this sign that said, matter is the minimum, Black lives are worthy, Black lives are beloved, and Black lives are needed. Um, he held that up at a protest in downtown Columbia, South Carolina, and then spoke with a friend of his who is a running back at Clemson who was planning the Clemson Tigers protest. And um, Jay mailed his sign to Darian Rencher, who's the, the uh, running back at Clemson. And so they both held this sign up at their respective protests. Um, and I thought it was really cool. I had no idea that the sign originated with a collegiate player. Also, mm-hmm. uh, this is not meant to be a white people patting ourselves on the back thing, but Jay um, it does happen to be white, um, mm-hmm. which I actually, I found surprising, pleasantly surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, yeah. I just thought that was really cool that the Matter is the Minimum came up through collegiate sports.
0: Yeah, and in particular, um, South Carolina. Um, I've also heard in the uh, news this week, I haven't looked into it extensively, but, um, the Ole Miss football team, um, walked out on a practice Hmm. this week. Um, and then just recently the university of Alabama football team, um, led a march led by their white coach, uh, Nick Saban. Um, and what my family's about to be real proud of me for about Five seconds and then take it all back. <laughs> um, what Ole Miss, uh, University of Alabama, and um, USC all have in can- common is that they are members of the SEC um, Football League, uh, Collegiate Football League. And um, again, Rachel's jaws on the floor cannot mm-hmm. believe that mm-hmm. it, it is originating from that particular group. Yeah. Um, having grown up in an SEC football family, um, it, it is it is hard for me to overstate the importance of football and the culture. I, I don't even know. I should have, this is why I pre-write a lot of my segments because I end up um, just speechless, but um, uh, just the amount of bravery um, to take something as culturally important as football and to stake their, their short careers. And mm-hmm. um you know, none of us follow collegiate sports a whole lot, but something that is is very different that I realized when I started following pro sports is that we're better able to follow individual players where they go and mm-hmm. what they do, and from team to team, and you know, still be able to support them and know their names and um, keep up with them. Well, in collegiate sports, there's so much turnover that you know, that doesn't really happen. And unless you're very specifically a white quarterback who can spout the same, uh, three completely non-controversial Bible verses on cue, your name is not going to be remembered for a real long time. And, uh, you're essentially treated as replaceable and, you know, almost a, a a little foosball guy on the table, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you, you play the sport, you do the thing. the team. Yeah. And, um, you know, you move on. And so few of those players, even if they're amazing in college, don't get NFL careers because there's such a a funnel down Mm -hmm. to a very, very small number of pro athletes. And to Mm -hmm. put that on the line, that chance that, you know, potentially their education, if they're jeopardizing any kind of of scholarships or assistance they might have, um, you know, any kind of reputation, because even if you're not formally blackballed, You know, in the South, (laughs) you might Mm -hmm. never get to play the sport you love again or or go to a good school or, you know. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it is astounding to me that these young men are doing that in the, specifically in the football program. Um, And so I have to, not wearing a hat, but if I was, I would take it off to them. (laughs) um, And we'll see, you know, what happens once this uh, was going to be even Weird, even before this football season, Um, you know, who plays and who doesn't. Um, As far as I know, the SEC is still forging ahead in terms of football season and planning on on, uh, doing their thing. But I just, you know, I can't wait to see what happens. And I I really hope and pray that this is a, a true conversation starter. And it forces people who otherwise would have just pushed all this to the background to seriously think about it and seriously think about what these athletes are putting on the line in order to make this statement. So that's my soapbox.
2: Who's up no, next? I, I think you're entirely correct, Rachel. And I think it's a really good point to bring up because it, it, if you haven't, I, I think if you haven't lived somewhere where first of all, football is king and second of all, the, the team, the team and the town are everything, Yeah, it's hard to understand how deeply fundamental that runs. Mm -hmm. um, And how all consuming it can be. Um, I mean, the the town I lived in when I was growing up was tiny town, uh, like 14,000 people. And it was like the second biggest town for, you know, two hours in any direction. And Had a high school, we did not have a college, but there were people who spent their whole lives dedicated to the Marion Wildcats. And it's like, (laughs) for what? Like you go to every single football game on a Friday night, every year, your parents were Wildcats, your kids are Wildcats, you were a fighting Wildcat. Like, it was just like you know and and these are just people these are just people Mm -hmm. you know in the town these are not like anybody working for the school necessarily anybody you know like no connection except for this is the town you live in so this is who you care about right yeah and it only gets more intense at the college level like that's and and so i think your point about how big a deal it actually is in that sort of culture for them to take this action is a really good one because there's no it, it sounds very easy it's like oh, okay well the football team like well yeah Or well, they skip to like,
0: practice but yeah cool. no
2: <laughs> but no it's, yeah it's a big they deal. have a lot to lose uh, they have yeah. a lot to lose and the, and a lot of people who would take it very seriously and take it away from yeah. them real fast um because they are very expendable in a way, yeah, and, and a in small a way, the amount of powers are not,
0: yeah, a small amount of power for a small yeah. window of time, and they are using it, yes, to the exactly. fullest extent that they can. Right, 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 and and the whole
2: football thing. I mean, this is going to be interesting. I do know that there were NFL teams who postponed or, or canceled practices as well. I mean, it's much less visible because football's not mm-hmm. playing yet. Um, but they they were involved in the strike to a certain extent as well just not as visibly. Um, but I will be real interested as, you know, as the various seasons continue and as the football season starts to see where that goes and what happens with all of that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, your, uh, comment about Wildcats, uh, reminded me, uh, vocabulary. Yeah, that I, I, uh, believe I promised something that I haven't delivered on yet. Um, and I won't claim to know the full uh, uh, consequence of this particular linguistic distinction, but um, the, uh, what the NBA players did and later the MLB and NHL, um, some people have been calling a boycott. Uh, Well, it was initially the
2: players who called it a boycott. That was part of the confusion was that some of the players used that term, which is technically incorrect, but it was what the players were using. And some media were using it as well. Yeah,
0: um, which is generally applied to uh, refusing to uh, buy or support a certain Mm -hmm. thing, which I think it can technically apply to... um, uh, Labor? Yeah. Well, no, not even labor. Um,
2: I think it gets colloquially used in terms of like boycotting an event, which an I event. suspect That's is what, what the was... players were, were yes. trying to do. We are boycotting this playoff season, this set of games. We are, you know, by not showing up, which, yeah, which makes sense in that context. But I think what you're going to say is that technically withholding labor is a strike.
0: Yes. So, thank you for saying what I was going to say. Yes. <laughs> um, and yes, the withholding of labor is a strike, and specifically a wildcat strike because it was not; it did not have the specific sanction of the, uh, right. the head of the union um, at right. the time. I think they have come back and support them, but yes, it was organized by the individuals, not by their union.
2: And that's a really important piece of all of this, I think, that can get lost um, in the shuffle. This was not the teams. like This was not the team organizations deciding this. This was not even the player unions deciding this. It was the individual players talking to each other and walking off the job together, Mm -hmm. um, which is – Interesting, and and to their credit, as far as I know, all of the teams who had players involved in this have come out and said we support what our players are doing, and all of the player unions have come out and said no, we're on board. This this was the correct action. We support our players, but none of it was pre organized. None of it was signed off on, as it were. Uh, the players yeah. themselves came up with it and very much forced the issue by taking immediate action, and yeah. that needs so they did not, not be know. Lost.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but they did not know that they would have the support of their union. No, upon taking action, or
2: their teams, correct, or their teams, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And in and in hockey, there are several teams who have not made statements whatsoever. Mm. So they haven't come out and said, okay. mm, we didn't support this." They've just not said. said nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so according to the New York Times, who put out an article about this boycott or strike, what's the difference? they're saying a boycott is an organized campaign to starve a business of revenue so i would say it technically this could be considered a boycott but usually um it's trying to capture the public's attention to change how a business operates whereas a strike is an organized work stoppage by employees Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm i i find Um, In this sense, I find calling it a strike more impactful. I agree. Yeah.
0: I think especially with the way boycott is kind of, yeah, boycott is kind of thrown around, like, you know, Mm -hmm. as a part of, quote, unquote, cancel culture. And, you know, that's another thing to get into. But it's like, you know... We don't want to equate, you know, not watching an episode of a TV show with what these players are doing. Mm -hmm. I saw an interesting tweet as well that that I thought
2: was a a fascinating take on this, which said, and and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it, it basically said, it says a lot about the society that we live in, that people's first word that they use to describe a situation like this involves the withholding of money because it says how much we've internalized that our only power Mm -hmm. is through our
1: cash. Right? I mean, it's it's not necessarily. (laughs) Hashtag fuck capitalism. Yeah. (laughs) um, Well, and another piece that's interesting, at least in the NBA, um, the players have a no strike clause in their. Oh, that's right. I suspect that the other leagues do as well. I just don't know it. Um, mm-hmm. But I I don't see the league no. uh, following up on that because I'm pretty no. sure the players and the public would rain down holy hell on them if they did.
2: And I think that's a big piece of why so many of the teams, at least in, in basketball and, and the WNBA, have come out and made statements saying that they support this because then it removes the question of mm-hmm. are the teams, is the league going to punish these players for breaking their contract? Because they are all... In uh, in breach of contract for doing this, but well, if, the, if the teams in the league come out and say we support this action, then it, it it's signaling, you
1: know, yeah. we're not. Well, gonna... And honestly, it would not benefit the leagues in the least to oh, punish no. all of these players. They <laughs> would be, not, They would but... be hurting their own bottom lines to go back, yeah, back talking I... about money. Yeah, I, that's know. Fair. I know. I know. Do, do the leagues always make good rational <laughs> no. decisions? <laughs> no. No, they don't always make good and rational decisions, but they, but they do, do mean, usually make the decisions that will best profit them. Y- you are mm-hmm. correct. You are correct. Yay, capitalism. You know what? Honestly, <laughs> this goes back to our, to our conversation pre-recording about being passively evil.
0: Ooh, you're correct. Yeah, passively correct. evil versus actively evil.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun times.
0: Yay, capitalism.
2: No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> fuck capitalism <laughs> repeat after me okay
0: Rachel, well I don't know that we're going to get any more socialist than that um, I mean don't throw down that gauntlet uh, but do
2: tell us sir, about the enough. Negro
0: Leagues <laughs> I was going to say I might I might want to end us on a little bit of, of actual sports today um, if nobody has any objections because I'll certainly <laughs> no, no, listen please. to them by okay. all means go ahead Okay, I did prepare a, a tale from the Negro League segment for today. Uh, I'm going to tell you about barnstorming. Nice. Okay, so technically speaking, I'm stretching a little bit here because barnstorming is sort of the opposite of league play. But it's important to know where Negro League baseball came from. Okay. Uh, plenty of black Americans played baseball before and in the absence of Negro Leagues and even made money doing it, albeit not very much money. If you don't have a league or even a home park to play at, but you just can't not play baseball, then barnstorming is for you. Barnstorming is sort of freelance baseball in which teams or even individual players will travel from town to town staging exhibition matches. The touring team might play the local team at their venue, or they might just play another informal touring team out by the barn. Hence the name. Mm -hmm. Barnstorming brought baseball to even the tiniest towns across the country, although the pay was similarly tiny. Still, it helped. Both white and black baseball players could barnstorm in the off-season, but black players often squeezed in as many exhibitions as they could to pad out their incomes. The name most closely associated with black barnstormer ball is Satchel Paige, uh, a name that I'm sure to bring up quite frequently in this segment. He traveled farther and kept barnstorming for longer than most players, so much so that he claimed to have pitched for more than 250 different teams in his 40-year wow. career. Wow. Dang. Also, 40-year career? Right. How old did this guy keep playing? He's you know, terrified. as long as, as, long <laughs> as they keep paying him to pitch, he'd keep pitching. Dang. Um, and now, it's a vagabond lifestyle that's kind of easy to romanticize, uh, and it even paid well for Paige as his star rose. But in addition to the obvious problems that come with being constantly on the road— Page and his black teammates had to deal with constant uh, constant homespun American racism. Mm. If they had a teammate with lighter skin, he might be able to order takeout from a restaurant for the whole team, or rent a hotel room and sneak his friends in through the window. If they were playing a local white team, they had to take care not to outscore them too badly, or else risk not being asked back or worse. However, if the crowd turned on them, Satchel's Kansas City Monarchs teammate Connie Johnson said, he and his teammates would run 20-25 runs on him, so they'd leave the park whispering. (laughs) In the end, an unorthodox combination of integration and capitalism killed the practice of barnstorming on a large scale by the 1960s. Of course, baseball wasn't the only sport with a barnstorming presence. In fact, one of Satchel Paige's touring teams, the Caribbean Kings, was owned by the same person who owned the Texas Cowgirls, the first integrated women's professional basketball team. Hmm. Today, the Harlem Globetrotters are probably the best known barnstormers, but uh, hockey's Buffalo Sabres alumni team and softball's King and his court team also travel and play. From 1994 to 1997, the Colorado Silver Bullets female baseball team briefly resurrected the practice of professional barnstorming since they obviously didn't have a pro league to play in. But that's its own story. And that's barnstorming.
2: That's fascinating. I would never have thought of it, but that's entirely correct. That that's what the Harlem Globetrotters do. They mm-hmm. just do exhibition games from town to town. Yep. Ha! Huh. I'll be damned. That's pretty
1: cool. Um, Satchel Page lived to seventy-five years old. And did he play baseball until the very end? Probably. I'm he might go have. Ahead and just say yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Because, like, okay, assuming he's, if he played 40 years, assuming he started pitching at, like, I don't know, let's say 18, that's still 58. That's, uh, and no Tommy John surgeries, (laughs) (laughs) That's that I'm aware of. That's impressive.
1: Yeah, it looks like uh, his first professional league was when he was 20 years old. Okay. Well, 19 or 20. Yeah. Right. So 20 to 60. Nice.
2: Nice. Well, thank you, Rachel. That was very informative.
0: You are welcome all right well thing. we've uh we've about worn out our welcome here so uh <laughs> and i'm sure you know we always think oh what are we gonna talk about next time but you know there's a few dozen things will happen between now and next week so uh, <sighs> <or> tomorrow well, <laughs> yep yep all I'm right just so knock go wood for and, all
2: of us right now
0: yeah yeah well, Rebecca, would you like to tell the people where they can find us? I would love to. Uh,
1: best places to find us are on Twitter at Foul Pug Pod or at Instagram uh, at Foul Pug Podcast. We are also on Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, Gmail. All of those are Fowl Pug Podcast. Um, and our website is FowlPuckPodcast.net.
0: All right. And I would like to thank Joe for doing our editing and uh, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for our music. And with that, uh, I will sign off for this week. I have been Rachel.
2: I continue to be Nancy. I hope to continue
1: to be Rebecca.
0: (laughs) And we'll see you next time.